And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back, back for another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here to have another conversation I'm hoping helps your business grow. What would happen if you could convert more sales? We all get leads and you know, sometimes they buy, sometimes they don't, sometimes they're fast, sometimes they're slow. But what if we had some conversion tactics that won? That's what we're going to talk about on today's show. As a quick reminder, today's episode of Startup Hustles powered by Fullscale.io. Hiring software developers is difficult and Fullscale can help you build a software team quickly and affordably and has the platform to help you manage that team. Go to Fullscale.io to learn more. With me today, I've got Brian Moran and Brian is the founder of Samcart. It's an e-commerce company. You can go to Samcart.com to learn more about what they do. He's going to tell you all about it here in a second, straight out of the Washington, D.C., Baltimore area. Brian, welcome to Startup Hustle. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. You know, let, let's get our conversation started today with a little bit about your backstory. Tell me tell me a little bit more about Samcart and the problem you solve and and all that. Yeah, so we, we got the idea for Samcart, my younger brother and I, um, back in 2013. We were running and operating a two or three million dollar a year digital product business where we sold online courses and kind of digital content in two primary niches. One was baseball, where I got started in 2009 after graduating college, played baseball through high school and college, got a terrible, boring job I hated right out of school. And in my spare time, tried to figure out how to build something that I could use to quit that job, started a little baseball blog, figured out how to I got introduced to this kind of digital product world and launched that business that parlayed into a second one. And by 2013, we were doing a couple of million bucks a year and selling digital products. Back then, there weren't very many solutions out there for e-commerce platforms for people like us. A lot of stuff for physical product sellers like Shopify, big commerce, et cetera. Um, but there, there weren't a lot of good options for us. So we just said, look, let's, let's create this thing. Um, both for ourselves and we had this kind of backup plan, future aspiration to sell it to our audience, which was the audience not from the baseball site. Those mostly aren't entrepreneurs, but the other brand we were running had a lot of entrepreneurs following it. So we thought, look, if this thing works, at least it'll help us generate more revenue for our own business, make it easier to run. And then maybe we can sell this to everybody else that we've kind of turned into customers over the past couple of years. And so the the big hook of Samcart, the reason or the big benefits of it is one, it's kind of a blend of it's really easy to run. So it's kind of built for a solopreneur, um, but it's powerful enough that, you know, a big team, some our biggest customers do 50 to $100 million a year, but we have a lot of beginners on there as well. It just makes it easy to get up and running, start accepting orders, and then do things that we know as marketers and salespeople know that increase conversion, um, help people simplify the checkout flow, split test different things, track conversion rate. Um, a lot of those stuff that, that we know businesses need to do 
uh, to boost revenue. You mentioned solopreneur. There's, you know, most entrepreneurs are that. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's, that's the most common form of entrepreneurship is the solo gig. Yep. And that can be the hardest one, in my opinion, because I mean, at some point as founders, we were all basically a solopreneur. And then we hired yep. someone or found a co-founder or did something. I think that's when it can be the hardest because all you can do is all you can do. So I really appreciate it. And I'm here at your website. You go, hey, folks listening, go to samcart.com because literally right there in the headline, maximize your sales, boost your conversions. They're doing something right 10 years later. And confirm this for me. I, my notes say you've raised $95 million in capital. Yeah, we have. Boom. That's a lot. Let me do the math on that. Yeah, that's still a lot. But, you know, I mean, so here you are, folks. Like, you know, we, we look for validation and who we're getting advice from. And here we have an expert today. It's talking completely about conver converting sales. Now, when it comes to sales, so many people are afraid to sell stuff. It yeah. kind of blows my mind because to me, that's what I wake up like driven to do. Um, you know, I think that if we're going to talk about conversion tactics that win, we should probably say that it's going to probably be different by industry, by product, by company, by sales team. If you're a solopreneur, you have a complete, you probably have a completely different sales process than someone that sells massive enterprise deals for, you know, Microsoft or yep. something like that. So, you know, when, when it comes to, to selling stuff and converting tactics, well, we got to have leads and opportunities first is that something that you, we need to address first is like, what are we doing to keep, keep the proverbial funnel full? I actually think it works in reverse. I think okay. a lot of people like to figure out ways to get more leads and get more traffic and eyeballs and figure out ads and social media. And in the end, if you're not capable of converting them, you're wasting all of your time. In the inverse is if you master sales, which is not a difficult thing to do. Most people just don't know it can be mastered and that it is a formula and it's like very little art involved. Um, that if you master that, leads becomes easy because now you yep. can afford to go get them. Yeah. And I talked to a lot of businesses that, you know, here, here, here come the leads and I said, well, how many of them do you close? Oh, one in 10. What can you do to get another one? You yeah. know, because yep. I mean, think about it. If you go from one in 10 to one in five, that's a hundred percent improvement. What would that do for your bottom line? I think that salespeople make a lot of mistakes. Um, and man, I'm going to try to not like give my trigger myself here into like a tirade because it blows my mind. Yeah. Um, for those of you listening, your buyers buy because of the value and benefit that they get from the features, not the features themselves. Yep. So uh, salespeople are out there trying to sell these features and they're not explaining the benefit of that. Yep. And, you know, coupled with that, if you can find a way to give a buyer some peace of mind, however it is that you do it, your sales are going to go through the roof. Like yep. people don't even think about that. They're hung up on like X, Y, Z features. And like, really all I want to know as a buyer is how does this help me make money? How does it help me save money? How does it make my life easier? How does it make me look cool? How yep. does it make me feel comfortable and that kind of stuff? And a lot of that's wrapped into peace of mind. And that's back to that simple sales formula. If you can explain that effectively to someone, your sales are going to go up. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, in the end, yes, I think there's kind of two parts to a great sales process. One, I believe, is the same no matter what you're selling or who you're selling to. And that's getting to the desire of your customer. Uh, 
two, the, I think the sales process does change. If I'm selling houses that are a million dollars a pop, that's a huge decision. I'm not going to do that with a Facebook ad to a landing page to a checkout form. Like it's just not right. going to work. But if you're selling a $10 book or a $100 course or a $5 month piece of software, you can do it from an ad to a landing page to a signup form. Like no humans involved. It can all be automated. But the higher you get up in price, and in in my experience with the 80,000 customers using SamCart, the folks that are using humans to to get involved in the sales process, to do sales calls or whatever it is, their price points are normally all north of a thousand bucks. Yeah. Um, you get into that territory, you can still do it without humans. You can record a webinar or a sales video or whatever, but usually it's more advantageous to get a human involved, get somebody on the phone, meet in person if you're north of that thousand, two thousand dollar price tag. But in the end, the flip side of that is whatever your format is, whether it's add to a book a call to close on the phone, or it's meeting people in person, or it's all automated online with an add to a whoop, did my uh camera just cut out on me? No, you're good. You're good. Um so if it's if it's something low ticket and, and you're going to add to a landing page to you know a, a sales process to a checkout form, whatever that is, you have to get to the core of what your customer wants. And we have this process that we call the five, sixes, and sevens. Well, I actually just talked to a group of dance studio owners, and you'd think that's a very different business than we normally help, which are online digital product sellers. These are offline service providers. And they struggle with the same exact thing. And the advice to them is the same exact thing. That most of them, their banners in their local town center, the ads that they run, they're all talking about things that their customers just don't give a damn about. Like they're not selling dance classes. I'm not selling e-commerce software. That's why you don't see on samcart.com, it doesn't say world's best like shopping cart software or e-commerce software. Nobody wants that. They want higher conversions, more sales. For a dance studio, they're not selling dance classes. Like their their target customer is a mom or dad of a two to six year old little girl. They could care less how experienced your teachers are, how good your classes are, even what your schedule is. They want to know their daughter or son's going to be in a great place that's safe, where they're going to make friends and memories, and that's it. Like it doesn't nothing else matters. So when they start talking about those things. And that's where all what all their all their sales copy everywhere starts to say. Every ad, every email, every landing page starts to say, "Hey, if you work with us, that's what you're going to get. You're going to get a daughter that loves what she's doing, that's making friends, that's having a great time in a safe environment." And we do that via dance classes. Sign up for our dance classes. When when we did that, my mother-in-law actually owns a studio. We made that pivot. I was helping her on the side a couple of years ago. And the studio went from 120 kids to almost 400 in less than two years. And it was that one simple change, changed nothing else in the business, just what it stood for, what it realized it was selling. And that I think is the number one thing for any beginning entrepreneur is realize what you're selling and make, put all your effort behind making the market aware that that's what you deliver. And then there's- I've got got an add on to that though. You got to make it easy to buy. Yes. I think that's what you're doing at SamCard. It's like, you know, yep. what is what is every buyer in 2023 and beyond want? An easy buying process. Like yep. I don't want to register 
for an account. I don't want to verify an email. Like you're talking about buying something simple here, right? You know, I don't want to have to create a unique password and a bunch of crap like that. Like I want a fast and easy transaction. I want to, and that is pretty much the premise of of a lot of what you're doing at Samcart, right? Is fast and easy transactions that are explained along the way. You know, it says right here, I mean, optimize conversions. I'm reading this off samcart.com, making checkout a breeze, building recurring revenue, boosting your conversions, you know, and like just also, I, I love the fa- eliminating typos, you know, just little things like that, that I think that as a solopreneur or a small business, like, look, most people start a business because they're passionate about whatever that business does. And then yep. they're like, oh shit, I got to run a business now. Yeah. That, yeah. that moment, that moment that those passionate people realize that, and then they're like, oh man, I'm out of my depth. And yeah. that, that's why I love tools like what you've built. By the way, this looks amazing. Like I'm, I'm, I, that this was my first exposure to Sam Carton. I'm in, man. Like I, I love it because, well, you're also like, this is also helping the people that need the most help with this. It's not yeah, like, yeah. hey, we're going to have 27 clients. That's it. And they're going to pay it. They're going to, we're going to be a billion dollar company based on that. Well, first off, those deals are hard to get. Uh, and I, I don't know, man, I'm a long tail marketer myself. Like there's just all this everywhere. Now, do you cater yeah. to a specific, it doesn't seem like you cater to a specific type of business. It's just small businesses that want to sell stuff online, right? Correct. Yeah. We have the majority of our customers, probably 55, 60% are digital product sellers. And that's just because those are the features we built from the beginning, all the integrations with the Kajabi, Teachable, Thrive, you know, the bunch of different like course platforms of the world, because that's what we needed. But right now our number one seller sells physical products in the health and fitness space. We have some huge service providers, agencies, it can be used by anybody. Um, in the end, if you're making a transaction online and you would benefit from converting more leads into customers and driving up the value of each customer, then it, it, you can use it. What's the biggest mistake that you see your users making before they're using your product? I would say it's driving up the value of every customer. And again, it comes from usually a place of either fear or ignorance. They don't realize like, oh, like, yeah, that's what happens to me every time I shop anywhere. When I go to Amazon, that's why I go in there for a roll of toilet paper and end up with $600 worth of stuff in my cart. Same thing with a grocery store. When you explain it to them, they it the light bulb normally goes off. But most folks, they have one product and they just think they're going to hit their goals with that one product or they have multiple products and they don't realize you should never just sell one, like focus on selling one at a time. But when a customer comes in, show them the other stuff you have. If they know, like, and trust you, those are the easiest, the easiest money you'll ever make in your business is selling something to someone who's already bought from you in the past. And we try to make that really easy. Um, on Samcard, that's really what it's built to do. I mean, you can take, you know, a business doing a hundred K a year, and put those principles in place and get it to four or 500 grand a year without that business needing more leads or running more ads or more social posts. Like that's how big of an impact it can make and how much money folks don't understand that are usually leaving on the table. Yeah. And if you look at, you know, I went back, uh, let me go back to like the one in 10, the 10% closing ratio, which by the way, in some businesses might be outstanding. In some businesses, you're looking for a job. 
if yep. that's your sales rate. It's just, it's going to be different from everyone. But you look at how much money, how much dry powder you use up on the nine out of 10, you don't sell. And think about it, that distance from one out of 10 to two out of 10 isn't that far. Yep. It isn't that far. So where you're at now, you know, I think one of the things I don't want to get too far into this episode without mentioning this. So I'm like, I used to be a sales trainer, like many moons ago, back when I lived in your neck of the woods, that's what I did. Musical instrument, uh, retail, world's largest maker of electronic musical instruments. And I was able to double the sales in my territory in one year. And why? Because I went around and all I said, like all day, every day to every store that I went to that sold our products, you got to ask everyone you talk to to buy something, even if it's a joke. Even yeah. if a, a six-year-old kid walks into the store looking for guitar picks, you'd be like, would you like to consider buying a piano today? Right yeah. now, the weird thing is, is this gets you in this habit of actually asking for the sale. It is unbelievable how many times, okay, I've, I literally have bought stuff that I didn't even want or need or care about because I was so excited that a salesperson actually asked me to buy something. Yep. That's like how absent that is from the process. I'm personally of the belief that I could increase sales in any organization if I could just get the sales force to ask for the sale more. So yep. why don't people ask for the sale? Well, it's, a, it's a very simple psychological thing for a lot of us is that we gain some affinity or, or familiarity or we like the customer. We don't want to offend them by asking them to buy something in oftentimes in a place where they came to us to buy something. Yep. Same thing online. You know, it's like this, if you aren't asking for the sale, then you aren't selling up to the amount that you should be at your business. And it's just that simple. Don't be afraid. There's, you don't have to just be like, dude, buy this. Like there's a million ways to ask. And if you do a good job of creating value, it's as simple as oftentimes like, do you want to go ahead and write this up? When can we get started? When do you want the delivery? You know, I mean, all of that, it's simple, but that, the, the act, the, that's the part I think salespeople have the hardest part with past the, like building the value and the benefits. Yeah. And then they'll do that. And oftentimes they'll just sit there with this deer in the headlights look waiting for a buyer to say, will you hurry up and take my money? Yeah. But yeah, the asking for the sale, if you're not doing that and, the, and building the benefits, selling benefits and not features, uh, those two things right there, regardless of whether you sell online or in person, are going to make a massive difference if you can start doing it. Yep. I mean, that's what I what I like about the internet is I, I was that person. Like, you know, when I graduated college in 08, the economy's terrible. A bunch of the yeah. job opportunities of the times were, were like going door to door selling Cutco knives. And to me, that was the most terrifying idea on the planet was looking people in the eye and asking them to spend money because that, that's my personality. Like, I don't want to offend anybody. But the beauty of the internet is it kind of removes that awkwardness from the scenario. You can create a landing page and type anything you want and make that page say it so you don't have to. And I found that for me, someone who is timid when it comes to those things, that running an online business actually removes that timidity and helps me be a lot more aggressive and actually get behind the product I know these people need and really drive home the reasons why I think they need to sign up and then ask for the sale. Um, so yeah, I mean, if that's you, like the, the nice thing is, I think you'll find once, once people understand the five or six techniques that go into a really well-crafted sales pitch that it's actually very easy to do on the internet. Cause you don't have to, 
get unless you're selling high ticket stuff and doing it on the phone, then yeah, you got to put yourself in the awkward position for those first 10 calls until you get used to it and realize, wow, like that's not as bad as I thought. And holy cow, that stuff works. And this is the lifeblood of my business. I'm glad I got good at this. Um, yeah, it, it's a it's a tricky thing. But I mean, it's the most powerful thing in business. A, a lot of folks, like you said, they have a passion. And they they convince themselves, they tell themselves a story that I don't want to be a marketer, I don't want to be a salesperson. Well, you have to like there you is are. you your are business. whether yeah. you want to or not you have when you were born onto this planet you were recruited into a sales force that is that is run by life and it like you had like i had to sell my wife on an idea yesterday that's sales i had to sell my kids on why they needed to hurry up and get ready for school today you yeah. know it's all sales and if you don't think it is you're wrong and so yep. you got to get used to it. Now, I, I, there's a couple things I want to share. You know, I'm the, the CEO and founder of FullScale, which, by the way, is where finding an expert software developer doesn't have to be difficult, especially just go to fullscale.io. You can build your team quickly and affordably. Use the FullScale platform. You can define your technical needs, see what available developers, testers, and leaders are ready to join your team, FullScale.io. Now, I'm an onboarding nut, and this is where I'm going with the FullScale thing. So it's a big ticket purchase. You know, like these are recurring experienced people. Like the benefit of, of, working, at, of working with FullScale is we help you find offshore talent, and it's pre-screened, it's vetted. We are really good at finding the person you want to hire and getting rid of the 40 other applicants that you didn't. Now, in order to do that, we could slow down our sales process by making you do a call, doing a whole bunch of stuff. And instead on our platform, we just have a, it takes less than two minutes, dude. Like some people get through it like 30 seconds. It's just click, click, boom about what your needs are. And then our platform matches you up with people that have those skills or experience and then by the time we're getting into the consulting side of it, because we don't just let you do the whole transaction online, because we actually say no to more people than we say yes to, because we want it to be the right fit. But we put ourselves in a pre-qualified position when that call occurs. And we like a lot of times we'll get on it. And these are things that you can do at your business, too. It's just asking some simple qualifying questions. This is still all part of that sales process we've talked about. But yeah. I can't give you good, credible advice if I don't have an idea about what your needs are. Now, these are somewhat technical, but uh, not really. We're not getting into the, in the super deep side of all of it. Like, what code base do you use? Do you have people on your team now? And then just basic stuff about you and your business, how to contact you, websites, stuff like that. And my point is here is if you can do anything to come into that first conversation or interaction or even automate all of it, see, these are these easy transactions. No one wants to sit there and I'm going to ask you the same questions. Take me 15 minutes to talk to you about it on a call or less than two minutes for you to click a few things, which I'm going to end up having to go and put into the system anyway. Yep. Now that's now look, our average client spends about 20 grand a month. So that's a big ticket thing, but you come into that first call. Look, these are usually people that are busy. They got a lot going on and you want to save them some time. So what, you know, I think also when you talk about conversion tactics is you always want to be narrowing things down. You know, we have 250 different skill tags that, that any of our employees can have. So like, what am I going to do? Go down. Hey, uh, yes or no. Number one, 
number two, I would hang up on you if you yeah. were trying to do that with me. But there's something yeah. you can probably ask and help qualify people or get them in the right fit or the right size or the right course or like all of that. Do you guys do any, do, do you, does your platform have, have any thinning mechanisms? Cause you, yep. you go from 250 skills, you got to find four or five. Yeah. Yeah. So we, Samcart does have that built in and we actually use it cause we use Samcart to sell Samcart. Uh, so <laughs> we have, so. <laughs> when you go to sign up, um, we have this custom field drop down that just asks what stage they're at in their business. So are they just getting started? Are they scaling up? Are they already kind of scaled past certain revenue marks? And that helps our onboarding team know who to reach out to, helps us know what tutorials to put in front of them, just greases the skid to get them off on the right track. We, we have two other businesses that we've, well, one we built, one we acquired, one's called Typeset, one's called Creator U. Creator U is like a, a Netflix for online entrepreneurs. So every marketing conversion sales tactic that we've learned, we've documented, put down into training material that's inside Creator U. It's just a place where we kind of, it's like our farm system for the next generation of entrepreneurs that might need Samcart. And Creator U has a high ticket coaching platform or coaching program where folks that are getting started just want us to do a lot of it for them. And that, that that's a, a phone sales process. So same thing there. We have an application where we ask them where they're at in their business. What are they looking to get out of their business? Um, how much money they have to invest in their business right now so that by the time we get on the phone, we know everything we need to know and we don't have to yeah waste 15 minutes kind of pre-qualifying people. Um, yeah, so we, we do that all the time, both in scenarios where someone's going to get on the phone with somebody and in more automated scenarios like selling SamCart free trials, just to help us kind of write better follow-up automated emails or texts that are on the back end of the business. Yeah, one of the things I'm seeing on your site here, and this is where we should talk about add-ons and upsells. Um, hey, look, it's part of sales, it's part of revenue. A lot of times with product that can also, those add-ons can be your highest margin stuff. So I mentioned yeah. earlier, having worked in around musical instruments. So look, you aren't doing your buyer a service if you don't offer them some upsells and add-ons. So let's just say you come in, you're looking for a guitar. If I don't sell you a tuner, uh, some extra strings and some picks, then you're going to be back at the store yep. like the next day. And you're probably not going to have a successful guitar student that can't tune a guitar, that doesn't have a pick, that doesn't have these different things. And by the way, if you have a small kid, they're going to turn the keys on that guitar until one of those strings goes pop. And then you need another one. And so like the thing is, is I would be pissed if I didn't know anything about guitars and I showed up and you just sold me a guitar. You sold me the cheapest guitar, which also stays in tune the shortest amount of time. Yep. It's just crap. And so if I don't have the right stuff, I'm going to get home. And it's, it's kind of like that feeling like when you get something in the mail and it's missing a key component, it's like having no batteries on Christmas morning. Yep. Yep. Right. And so back to the sales thing, like, remember, you're not just like, oh, I don't want to make, I don't want to force them to buy something. First off, you're not, that's not really a thing. Um, but a lot of times the, this is the key component. Now, maybe that guitar costs 200 bucks. Those add-ons are another 60, $70 that, I mean, these can, these things add up over time tremendously. Now with creators, like a lot of creators, well, like myself, I've written three books, right? So something that 
hey, here's a, I don't have any online courses, but if I did, I'd want you to be able to buy the books along the way too. Yep. And, you know, some of that, and that's, that's tough to do. Uh, the, the thing that that's what I really love about stuff like SamCard is, is that, you know, if you're not good at asking for that sale and the reason software is so valuable is it shows up to work every day. And if assuming that it works, it does what you train it to do 24 seven. And if you think you suck at that kind of stuff, then you need to go find an option because not fixing it means your business is probably going to suck. Yep. Yeah. I mean, that's, I totally agree there. I mean, again, a lot of people think like, I'm just going to have this one product or one service and that's going to lead me to the promised land. But I mean, I'm challenging anybody to, you know, it's rare. Look at the most successful businesses in the world. Like none of them are single product. Like it's just not how it works. I do. I am a big fan of narrowing the scope and a lot of businesses though, because there are like, I mentioned that go back to like the musical instrument chain, the place that I worked for, um, one of the places I worked for got acquired by another company along the way. And we went to do inventory and we were like, holy shit, we have 250,000 SKUs. Jeez. Most of it was sheet music, right? Like across all these stores. And the first thing we looked at and said, it was like, we need to not have 250,000 SKUs because yep. the cost of counting one out of one for a dollar ninety nine set of sheet music actually exceeds the profit that you will make from selling it. So yep. we actually uh, uh, sold off all of the sheet music by the pound. Wow, which was a big loss, like as far as like, but it got rid of like like seventy percent of the SKUs yep. and simplified so much. Now that we still had about eighty thousand afterwards, all these little one off things, but. Yeah, I am. I because here's the thing: is when it comes to buying stuff, a confused mind almost always says no. Yep. So if you have anything confusing or clunky about your process, you are losing sales. Like if it's not, if it's not easily defined, like what do I get when I buy something? And I think a lot of a lot of stuff online. I mean, man, I've gone to countless websites, and I'm like, what am I buying? Yep. You know, what, what am I buying? So what do you guys do to help simplify some of that? So what's funny because Samcart was built originally for digital product sellers. Most of our folks are under 10 SKUs. Probably the big sellers are probably under 30. Um, but we're not 80,000. No, you can't even have a catalog store with Samcart because one, that's not how digital product sellers sell their stuff. And two, I don't think it's the right way to sell. Like, Sending some, you, I would never in a million years take money or traffic that I spent money to acquire and send them to a choose your own adventure catalog store model. And that's not how the biggest brands do it either. Like we all go to apple.com or lululemon.com and you see the catalog and we think that's how they're making sales. It's not like even those companies have flagship products that most of their customers are coming in and buying and it's a handful of them. It's not the 50,000 that are deep, deep in that store. So we built SamCard in a way that says, look, the catalog is actually not important at all. It's these custom paths through these flagship products that we want to optimize. And that's what we built the whole platform around. Yeah. And that's, well, that's also back to the add on stuff, you know, like, I mean, Amazon does a good job of that, you know, like I, 
I mentioned before we recorded, I recently bought a farm, which has been a lot of work. And I've been buying a lot of stuff because I'm trying to figure a lot of stuff out. And I've had a lot of things show up and I'm like, wow, so I need some clamps for this or I need something else. And it's really like, I really appreciate any site or anything that says, hey, if you're buying this, you really need to look at these five things. Yep. And it's just, the, it's, the, it's, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. All right. So by the way, on a conversational level, where'd you play baseball? Uh, I was diehard committed to go D1 out of high school. Oh, had like quick sports lesson. I learned the hard way that that was a full-time job. And I went to a small D1 school in Maryland, uh, UMBC, which their claim to fame was the first number one seed to upset a 16 seed in the NCAA tournament. Other than that, they're nice. terrible at, at sports, or at least they were when I was there. So two years after playing there, was pretty miserable, transferred out to a small D3 school north of Pittsburgh called Grove City. Um, and yeah, career ended there. I thought I was going to play a little bit after college, but uh, didn't work out that way. I had a similar similar path, although it's funny. My baseball career ended when I got kicked in the knee by a horse. Oh, my God. Of all weird stuff. Yeah. I still have scar tissue across my kneecap. I'm touch. I'm feeling it right now. It's the weirdest thing. Yeah. Jeez. I was going to go headed to Quincy college in Quincy, Illinois, perhaps. But that conversation died when I showed up with a splint on my leg to one of the meetings. Are you injured or not? No, Uh, you look kind of injured. So yeah, yep. baseball is, is a very interesting. I, I I always like it when I get a former player or a fan or whatever. We do some baseball episodes just because I'm kind of nutty about it. But I do compare it a lot. You know, like in baseball, you're a Hall of Famer if you get three out of ten. Yeah. You know, as a hitter, um, there's there's a lot of stuff to go there. But yeah, I think that um, the thing it taught me the most is the best hitters don't swing at a lot of pitches that are out of the strike zone. And I carried that into entrepreneurship. I'm like, you can't just chase every, every pitch that comes in. You got to wait yep. for the right one. And yep. sometimes that's not up to you to determine what that is. So, yep. all right. So I, I, on a, on a side note, I'm curious, just uh, when it came to Sam cart, what was, what was the biggest challenge you needed to overcome in building something that ended up getting 95 million in funding? And according to your site, you've helped sell billions in products, man. No, the number one challenge was, me being the marketing and sales guy in the business. And, uh, you know, I kind of had to become that before Sam card existed when we were launching the other ones, customer acquisition was never the hard part running the business was, um, that's why I'm not CEO anymore. We brought in a COO in 2017. Uh, it was an old buddy of mine who comes from kind of the venture back startup world who had tons of experience. And I just said, look, dude, like, someone has to run this business because it's me and 14 people that are running around with chickens, like their heads cut off. And it like, I'm not helping anyone sitting in this seat. So let me do what I'm best at, which is marketing and sales. And you come in and like, let's actually see if we can build something together. So the biggest obstacle was me and my ability to build out an organization. It just wasn't my sweet spot. I didn't want to do it. It was annoying to try to figure out spent a year or two trying to figure it out, reading every management book and, you know, stuff like top grading and trying to perfect something that I was terrible at and had no interest in. And so, you know, instead of that, just learning to lean into my strengths and build, bring somebody in who can, you know, fill those shoes. um, That's when stuff really started to click. 
I find overwhelmingly that people that are great at sales and marketing are usually not great at operations. Yeah. It's I've just never a personality met thing, man. It just kind of goes with the personality style. Like yeah. my version of organized means I know it's in this box or it's in this file somewhere on my computer and I can yeah. find it if I need, you probably won't, but I could find it. Yep. Yep. I'm organized. I'm super organized in that regard. And then most people look at my desktop and my computer and they're like, dude, I'm like, it's there. It's right yeah, there. It, I it's know somewhere. It is. It's not and your I, desktop. It's mine. Leave me alone. Yeah. But yep. yeah, it's a, uh, yeah, there are, you know, most, this isn't my wisdom someone else. I don't even know who originally came up with this, but you need a visionary person. You need someone that executes the vision too. They are usually two yep. very unique people when it comes to like what they're good at and what they're not. So uh, case in point, find the people that are good at the things that you're not or the things that you're disinterested in doing. And they're the same because if you're disinterested in doing it, you will, usually find you're not doing a very good job at it. Yeah. It's yep. just that simple. And if your business grows, you're going to really get yourself behind the eight ball because you're going to continue to be bad at the things you're not interested or not good at. And eventually they become a problem. Uh, in my book, Million Dollar Bedroom, I have a whole section about having to shut the business down for a few days to undo the ball of rubber bands once. And yep. Uh, if your business is making a lot of money and it doesn't, when you have to undo the ball of rubber bands, it is a painful reminder. Uh, but, you know, I find that almost every time the ball of rubber bands eventually has to be unwound. So yep. Yep. No, no real way around that. All right. So here we are at the end of another episode of Startup Hustle, which is brought to you by Fullscale.io. If you need to hire software engineers, testers, or leaders, Fullscale can help. We have the people and the platform to help you build and manage a team of experts. All you have to do is go to Fullscale.io and answer a few questions. Our platform will match you up with fully vetted, highly experienced software engineers, testers, and leaders at Fullscale. We specialize in building long-term teams that work only for you. Once again, Fullscale.io. With me today is Brian Moran, the founder at SamCart. Sam, S-A-M-Cart.com. If you can't remember that, there is a link in the show notes. You have a very impressive website and platform. I'm, I'm a fan, man. I'm a fan. But with that, it's time for the Founders Freestyle. I'm going to hand you the mic. And uh, what would you like to say to everyone out there hustling on the way out? No, I'd say, you know, look, I think we've we've both been in a lot of your shoes, you know, really, probably no matter what stage you're at. Um, you know, I'd say in, in, enjoy the ride. If you're an entrepreneur, really at any level, I think I need to take this advice every day with three little kids downstairs and it's easy to get wrapped up and in work or when times are tough to get annoyed at certain things. And in the early days, you know, when you're struggling to make any money whatsoever, um, you know, it's, it's tough to get stuck kind of just in the minutiae of everything going on. And looking back, like those beginning days, I miss like they were there, there's parts about every stage of this journey that we're all on that we will all look back and miss as annoying and frustrating as they can be. I mean, that's when you're learning the most. It's when you're making the most progress. And, you know, so I, I guess my, my parting advice for everyone would be wherever you're at, enjoy the ride. I think we're all lucky to be on this journey to kind of get stuck with this bug of entrepreneurship and, you know, have the personality style that actually wants to move and shake and create stuff. Um, and it's a, it's a fun spot to be. So enjoy the ride. 
Well said. You know, my freestyle, I'm going to remind everyone that sales cures ales. Um, you know, how much better would your business and your head be if you sold more stuff? Uh, for me, I, the things that keep me up at night are missing sales and opportunities. Um, you know, there's, there's, I, uh, I don't know if it came naturally or if I forced it or if I've talked myself into it along the way, but I am offended by a poor sales efficiency. Like if that is like, it drives me nuts. Like I won't buy from you. I won't buy from your store. I won't buy from your website. I won't buy anywhere, anyhow, if your process sucks. And if your process sucks, you need to put everything else down and fix it. Nothing occurs at any business until something is sold. And, you know, if you don't ever sell anything, you don't need a warehouse, you don't need product, you don't need shipment, you don't need an accounting department, you don't need salespeople, you don't need marketing people, you got to figure out how to sell more stuff. Now, one of the ruts that I see too many people get in is they get all, they're all obsessed with the product, they're obsessed with everything else other than sales. You need to figure the sales part out first and everything else gets easier behind it. You will find yourself with if you get that right and you have problems later, you're going to find yourself with the quote, good problems, which is we sold so much stuff. How do we get it out the door fast enough? I've been around that is a much better feeling to have than the opposite side, which is looking at a mountain of stuff or things you need to sell and no one's buying it. And what's the why to that? But, yep. you know, too many startup founders, especially in tech and software, get so hung up on product, product, product. And you got to learn how to sell the product. You got to learn how to ask for the sale. You got to learn how to create some value around the benefits. No one gives a shit about your features. They care about the benefits and the value that they get from them. Learn how to describe that and you will sell more stuff. Brian, thanks for joining me, man. I'm, gonna, I'm, all, I'm all fired up now, man. I'm going to go sell something. Sounds good. You and I both. Let's do it. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.